Would you pray with me? Father, would may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable unto you, O Lord, our God, our Savior. Amen. Well, it's a pleasure to be back up here again. There's something about a little bit of having a little bit of power, you know, when you come up to do the sermon and you get to look out over the people and think, ah, yeah, now I've got them, you know. Today's sermon is about family. And well, my Sunday school class knows because they got a dose of it today. Family. I call the sermon Chuck. Chuck. Because you see, Chuck is my brother, my youngest out of five of us. Um, and he's been the one who's always been kind of rebellious, and he's been the one who kind of grew up and, you know, and everything that could have gone easy for Chuck, it, it always went hard because that was Chuck. My oldest sister was Gerilyn. She's since passed away. I have Marilyn, and her life hasn't been easy. Then I have Harold, or Hal, as he likes to be called. Hal is what I would call kind of the spiritual one of the family. I want you to know that my older brother is gay, and I love that man. I've got a little story to tell you about him. I never did know my brother was gay until I came back from the service. I was over in Vietnam, and I arrived home in September, and my brother decided to come home you know, visit us. He was living in L.A. in October. So I'd gone out to the airport to pick him up, you know, and I'm still kind of rigid and military, you know, and uh, we're driving back to Oak Hill. That's where we lived, and and... Hal looked over me and said, Ray, I've got something I need to tell you. I said, well, okay, yeah, tell me what you got to tell me. He looked at me and he said, Ray, I'm gay. And of course, back then, to me, that meant I'm happy. You know? <laughs> so I looked at him and I said, well, that's good. You know, it's, it's nice to be kind of energized. And, you know, and he said, no, 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 you got it wrong. He says, Ray... I'm a homosexual. And I sat there quiet. I'm driving. You know, I'm just driving down the road. And, and he says, well, aren't you going to say something? I said, Al, you're my brother. You'll always be my brother. But right now, just don't try to kiss me. <laughs> he laughed. I laughed. Al's my brother. And then there's me, and then, of course, coming up the tailbone is Chuck. Chuck. Chuck and I have always been kind of connected at the hip. There's three years difference between Chuck and I, and, you know, I can recall the days that as we were growing up, especially as youngsters, that Chuck and I would be out ratting and raving all over the block, Mom never knowing where we were at. Yeah, we were always getting into trouble. Chuck was the guy who usually started the trouble, and I was always the one who had to kind of clean up the mess, you know. But Chuck and I 
have a special bond. I don't see Chuck as often, even though he lives here in Salt Lake. I don't see him as often as I would like, but, you know, we can walk into the same room and we can look at each other, and some people say we even look alike, only I'm a lot better looking. Yeah. And I can make an instant bond with him. I can connect instantly with him. We don't even have to say anything to each other. I can walk up and put my arm on him. Our family has always been a hugging family. So I can put my arm on him and hug him. And it's like time stands still. And we just communicate. And he knows I think he's weird. And I know he knows that I'm weird. But it doesn't matter. Because you see, Chuck and I, we're family. We're connected. Family, the word family, it's such a magical word. It just extends us beyond anything that we probably even understand. We're good or bad, we're connected. We don't always see eye to eye. We don't even feel and think the same. But we're family. We're connected. Families have tragedies. Family have joys. Families argue with each other. Families love each other. Families cry together. But we're family. Families transcend blood, and it goes to the spiritual. The spiritual. And it's the spiritual that takes us beyond all the boundaries that we believe family is. To a whole new realm. To a place that we often don't even go and visit. But yet we are beckoned to come and to live as family. No matter what our race, our gender, our likes, our dislikes, we are family. And that calls us into a whole different realm, doesn't it? You know, when we look at... Uh oh, there comes my daughter. Speaking of family, you can tell that soon we're to be having another family member join us quickly. It takes us into a realm of connectiveness, of a calling to relate, of a calling to be, of a calling to join, of a calling to go beyond who we are as individuals, family. Pat, I'm going to tell on you. This is Kathy sitting down here. Kathy just came back, well, what, three or four weeks? Has been a member of this church years ago and just came back. And the first thing, as we kind of connected with each other and giving the big old hug, she said, it's home. I've come home. I've come home. How important is it to be able to come 
home. Family is where home is. It's where there is something special, a connection that is special. So, what does Ruth have to do with family? Well, let's look at Ruth real careful. Ruth, in the eyes of a Jew, is a sinner. Why? Because she's not a member of the chosen frozen. She doesn't belong to the clan. She's not connected. Okay? And for some reason, Naomi, you know, and her two sons happen to be the kind of people that said, hey, religion isn't everything. And the two sons marry two daughters that are outside the Jewish tradition. Well, if you're one of those righteous types of Jews, of course, this can't be. But for Naomi, it was all right. Well, her two sons die unexpectedly. And there's Ruth and this other person that, you know, now, how are they connected? Where do we go from here? We no longer have the, the, the husbands that would connect us to Naomi or even to, you know, the faith, as it were. And so they start this exchange back and forth, Ruth, the other woman, and Naomi. And Naomi basically says, look, it's time for you to go back. It's time for you to go home. Go to your own families. Go to your own people. Go to your own faith. It's time for you to go because there's nothing there that connects you and I. The husbands are dead. And after some shedding of tears, they finally, one that is, leaves. But Ruth turns to Naomi and she replies, Don't make me leave you. Now listen to that. Don't make me leave you and go back. Where you go, I'll go. Where you stay, I'll stay. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. Where you die, I'll die. And there my body will be buried. I won't let anything, I won't let anything except death separate you from me. If I do, may the Lord punish me greatly. What kind of love, what kind of connection is going on with Ruth? That she would look at Naomi and in a sense commit to Naomi through vows before God and say, where you go, I'll go. What is it that's going on with Ruth? Well, I'll tell you, since you asked. Ruth has transcended, gone beyond the family connection. Ruth has gone to the spiritual connection of family. There is something that was within Ruth as she looks at Naomi and she is connected in such a fashion as she knows she can't go back, nor does she want to. 
because Naomi has become family. In the book of Ruth, Ruth just jumps right out of the Old Testament and all the laws and all the creeds, and she jumps right into the New Testament where you hear Jesus speaking about love, about connection, about family. Where you hear Paul say, do you not know that you all are part of the body of Christ? That we are all connected? Family. So, Jesus is going to give us a lesson. And you know, it's just about this part where the sermon ends that I'm just going to be talking to you. Jesus teaches us something that goes beyond everything you have ever read. You can take the whole New Testament, you can take all of the Old Testament, and you can put it in the garbage can if you wish. Because what I'm about to tell you is what's required of you, not only this day, but for all days. And it goes like this. In the book of Luke, it says, On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, What must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus, kind of figuring out what's going on, looks at him and says, What's written in the law? How do you read it? And he's asking us the same thing. How do you read it? Well, that individual answered, he says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and your all your mind and love your neighbor as you love yourself. Now, did you catch that? You've all heard that, right, before? You all know it. Now listen to what Jesus says after. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you'll live. What's the opposite? Don't do it and you're going to die. Don't do it and you're going to die. And then, of course, just like all of us, that individual decides, well, okay, i got to justify myself somehow, and you know, i got to come back with this. And so he asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? Well, <laughs> isn't that the question we're still asking? No. We sit in this church body, we have come together, joined together, you know, under the Christ head. We have looked at ourselves and said, well, I feel kind of comfortable here, and sometimes I feel uncomfortable. But this thing, this is okay. This is good. You know, this is the old American Baptist tradition, freedom, and all that good stuff. But is it? When somebody doesn't quite fit the pattern, our pattern, what do we do? Do we ostracize them? Do we say, oh, no, no, it's okay. I hear you. I'm listening to you. I'm going to let it go. I'm going to let it be because we need to listen to each other. We need to talk. Oh, no, most of the time it goes the other way. And I want you to know 
That's true in all church families. Not just this one. In fact, it's true in families. We disagree. And it's okay to disagree. But what does Jesus tell us? Does he say that? Does he look at it and say, okay, let's, let's get like Paul often does. He gets into the nitty-gritty and tries to define everything. No, Jesus comes back to us and he says, this is what's required of you. To love the Lord your God with all your heart, might, and soul, and mind. And to love your neighbor as you love yourself. Now, here comes the rest of that kicker. How do you think God loves you? If God's asking you to love him with all your heart, mind, soul, and might, how do you think God loves you? Oh, do we go back to John, you know, and say, oh, for God so loved the world? No. We don't understand that. God loves you in the same fashion as he's requiring you to love him. God loves each one of you, each one of you, with all of his heart, with all of his might, with all of his soul, Jesus, with all of his mind. He loves you that way. Oh, but that's not the end of it. He turns around, and if you really look at that, he's saying, yeah, but you're to love yourself that way. Are you connecting with me now? Are you hearing it? He's saying you are to love yourself that way. And then it goes beyond that. He turns around and says, yeah, but guess what? You're to love your neighbor the same way. You don't get to choose. You and I don't get to choose. It's this is what love is. To love with all of your might with all of your soul, with all of your heart, with all of your mind. That's how you're to love yourself and love your neighbor, let alone God. Because you love God when you love each other. Connecting with me? Do you hear me? You love God by showing your love to each other. Whoa. (laughs) And then here comes those last words. Do this and you'll live. Don't do it and you're going to die. I don't know about you, but that scares the bejeebies out of me. That has me worried. Because you see, uh, I don't necessarily do that all the time. We are family. Whether we agree with each other or disagree with each other, we are family. We are family that is connected in Christ. So when we don't disagree with, or when we do disagree with each other and we just don't have, you know, that connection, what does the Bible tell us to do? What does it tell us to do? To love each other. How are we supposed to love each other? This is a test. We're supposed to love each other with all of our heart, with all of our might, with all of our soul. See what's going on? 
family. Family. There is nothing more important in this world than family. Whether it be in this church or whether it be with all believers. All people. Man, that's, that's, that's a load, isn't it? But then Jesus comes along and says, Oh, no, no. I'll put on the yoke. I'll carry the load. You just come along and follow me. Just come follow me. So my friends, it's time for us to learn. It's time for us to learn. I asked a few people in my Sunday school class, ask is maybe the wrong way to put it, if they would share just a few moments, you know, a few things, why they bother coming to church. Okay? And so, Lynn, since you're right there, I'm going to pick on you first. Okay? And Jerry's going to come with a microphone. I come down to the river to bathe, to engage with you, and I come to the table, the family table, to feed and be fed. And I want extra points if I say I come for a raised Sunday school class, and that's why you picked on me. Gordon? I come to worship in community with my fellow believers to follow Christ, and it really is meaningful for me to be in the group to perform that worship. And then Larry. He's right in front of you there, Jerry. I come to church for one reason, and that is to be loved and to be loved by you, all of you. You're my family, my whole family. Thank you, Jerry. Family. Family. From the youngest, from the teens, to the oldest. Family. Connection. So Paul comes to us, and he basically just says, look, you need to put away falsehood. You're part of the family. Speak the truth. Speak the truth, though, in love. Care for each other, even though you might not agree with the person next to you, speak in love. Go beyond. Join each other as part of the family. Be imitators, imitators of God. Well, after everything is said and done, still want to be part of the family? After hearing those two great commandments, are you sure you want to be part of the family? Because, in one sense, God is calling us out. Calling us out. Chuck. Oh, my dear brother Chuck. He will always be a part of my family, even to death. And beyond death. I look out over this congregation, and I think about those who have come before us and who are gone now. You know, most of you won't remember... You know, Betty and Clarence Lale. 
or Ray Baxter. Most of us have forgotten myriads of people who have come and sat in these seats and been here for this family. You see, family transcends the living, and it even goes to those who have come before. But I want you to know something. Just as my beautiful daughter is sitting over there and a new life is in her, it goes to the lives who haven't come yet. So, who isn't important in this family? Everyone's important. Your opinions are important. Your love is important. Just as my brother Chuck, good old Chuck, Chuck, my love, my brother, you, my sisters, and my brother. I give thanks to you in the name of Jesus. Amen.